I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Fifty years ago today was day four of the Cuban Missile Crisis. The narrative of the crisis is pretty familiar by now. The Soviet Union placed nuclear missiles in Cuba to counterbalance U.S. nukes deployed around the globe. The Kennedy administration found out and ordered Moscow to remove them. The ensuing standoff went on for 13 nail-biting days. In the end, the Russians blinked and removed the missiles. That's a standard short version, but as usual, there's more to it. A new project aims to bring out some of the deeper nuances of the story. It's called the Armageddon Letters, a reference to the correspondence between President Kennedy, Nikita Khrushchev, and Fidel Castro during the crisis. The project uses podcasts, blogs, a graphic novel, and animated short films to reach a younger, more gadget-obsessed crowd about the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was Japanese filmmaker Koji Masutani's job to turn academic scholarship on the crisis into a graphic novel and animated short films. He says the project is designed to bridge a gap between young and old. I only turned 31 about a month ago, and it's only perhaps recently that I felt less unqualified or perhaps old enough to be able to engage and talk about the Cuban crisis, something that took place literally half a century ago now. And herein lies the problem. How do you reach out to these young people who ride around in skateboards with baggy pants and how do you get them to be worried as much as we are about the danger of nuclear war? And that's something uh, beyond the Cuban crisis that we want to uh, bring attention to, especially now during a presidential election season. People are asking questions like, what kind of president should we have? Does temperament matter? And this whole theme of toughness in the American political landscape is uh, an ongoing presence. And what we're trying to contribute to people's thinking through the Armageddon letters is, well, what about other uh, aspects that don't involve toughness at all? Because in the Cuban Missile Crisis, if every leader, for instance, were tough, then we wouldn't be here talking today. Right. Well, temperament and where it comes from in an individual is part of what you're, you're digging through uh, with the Armageddon letters. So let's hear a bit of what you did. One of the coolest things was these animated shorts about each of the players in this crisis, Kennedy, Castro, and Khrushchev. Here's the beginning of one of these shorts called B. Castro, featuring James Blight, a scholar of the Cuban Missile Crisis. What's it like to think like Fidel Castro? Almost 22 years ago, I was at a conference in Halifax, Nova Scotia. One of the contributors to this was a high school classmate of Fidel Castro who told the following story to me. Fidel Castro invented a game at the Catholic high school, all boys high school where he went in eastern Cuba. Find a bicycle, establish some distance, a quarter mile maybe, between where the bicycle begins with a rider and a brick wall. The goal is to be the last person standing, bloodied, have to be bloodied, no blood, you can't win this game, but if you crash into the wall going full speed, are thrown over the handlebars of the bike, into the brick wall, and you get up, you go to the next round. A lot of people will stop. A lot of people will mm, kind of sort of ease their way, slide into it. The person who is willing to sacrifice the most, who is willing to take it to the limit, maybe to die, I mean, in principle, smash his skull against a brick wall, that guy wins the game. This guy said, Fidel Castro never lost this game. He refused to lose this game. He would go, he, he, if it was a tie, they had to go to overtime. They had to do it again. 
over and over again, Fidel, undefeated, world champion, suicide bike driver. And then Blight concludes. In the Cuban Missile Crisis, Castro felt that Khrushchev did not have the courage to take it to the limit, take it all the way to nuclear war and to destroy the United States. Now, in the short B. Khrushchev, uh, scholar James Blight again, uh, who becomes actually an animated character in this one, argues that the former Russian leader approached the missile crisis with the earthiness of a Russian peasant. He was a man of the people in the best sense. He was highly voluble. He was creative and clever, but he was not educated. His father and grandfather were miners, coal miners and tin miners, the ugliest, most terrible job you can imagine. He worked in the mines as a young person. He called the mines my Cambridge, my Oxford, my Harvard. That's where he learned to be a man, he said. When you look at the correspondence between the three leaders Mm. and when you sort of unpack the lines, read between the lines and analyze them, it's very interesting because Kennedy, uh, he's almost lawyerly. Castro, of course, is very um, emotional and passionate. Khrushchev, his letters are almost earthy in that they use a lot of analogies with farm life, in fact, agricultural life. So he talks about two blind moles who try to get by one another. Same with the analogy with two goats on the bridge that try to go by each other. And uh, goats can't swim, so if one of them fails, they will drown in the water. And he was referring to that as the headbutting between the U.S. and the Soviet Union itself. I was really interested in the main point of the B. Kennedy film, what Kennedy learned by serving in the South Pacific in World War II that informed him during the Cuban Missile Crisis. That massive, overwhelming power does not mean the enemy will capitulate is kind of the conclusion. Tell us about JFK's experience in the war that led him to that conclusion. Well, he was shipped off to the bloodiest zone of the war in the South Pacific. Kennedy was on a PT boat and they're going all over the islands. And what he picks up every day while he's in the Pacific is that even though the U.S. military had overwhelming military power, the Japanese simply refused to capitulate. And in fact, they would commit suicide. They would do everything they could to save themselves from being taken prisoner by the Americans. They jump on grenades and uh, blow themselves up. And in some cases, families would leap off cliffs to their death. And this was completely unnerving to Kennedy and to the Americans. And that experience informed him later in the Cuban Missile Crisis because when Curtis LeMay, the general, is telling Kennedy that the Russians will do nothing because they have a 17 to 1 advantage in terms of nuclear weapons over the Soviets, that the Russians will do nothing, Kennedy just doesn't believe him. Mm. And that is what starts the thinking about creating a quarantine or blockade. In every short film, B. Kennedy, Castro, and Khrushchev, that's how we're sort of peeling the onion for each leader in the crisis. We're trying to look at how their wartime experience and their experience growing up informs them in their decision-making in uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Koji Masutani is a filmmaker who produced the animated shorts and graphic novel for the Armageddon Letters. His earlier film, Virtual JFK, explored what might have happened if JFK had lived. Koji Masutani, thank you for speaking with us. Thanks for your time. 
We have those short animated films that Koji produced. They're pretty cool and enlightening. And you can find out more about the Armageddon Letters project at theworld.org. We've also added a web extra. Here, Koji Masutani described the old interpretation of how the Cuban Missile Crisis happened in three acts, and then contrasts that with the latest interpretation based on declassified material, also in three acts. That's all at theworld.org.